0: And welcome back to Material
1: World. We're digging into the stories behind all the things you spend your money on. We're your hosts. I'm Lindsay Rupp. I write about all the stores in the mall for Bloomberg. And
0: I'm Jenny Kaplan. I cover all the things you drink and smoke for Bloomberg News. It's just about Halloween, and it's time to start pulling together costumes. Can you guess what the most popular costume is this year? Um, Donald Trump. Oh no, sorry, I meant for dogs. Okay. Donald Trump. Not quite. The most popular costumes are pumpkins, hot dogs, and bumblebees according to the National Retail Federation. 20 million people are planning to dress up their pets this year.
1: That's shocking. It wasn't that long ago that your dog would sleep in a house in the backyard, not in the bed. I mean, was Lassie an indoor dog? Remember Paris Hilton's
0: dog? It was more like an accessory than a pet.
1: These days, 95% of people consider their pets to be part of their family, according to survey data from PetSmart. That's up from 88% in 2007. I mean, think about Elle Woods from Legally Blonde. She took her dog, Bruiser, to law school, just like I let my cat have the pillow at night. She's my baby.
0: You're not the only one who feels that way. Here's veterinarian Taylor Truitt.
2: I absolutely think that people are spending more. And I think that a lot of it has to do with a lot of um, adults are having children later. And so these dogs and cats and rabbits and ferrets and all sorts of other things, they've become surrogate children. And it's a way to have seen couples, they get a dog or a puppy to kind of test the wiles for how they're going to do having babies and things. And um, it just fills a void. I mean, people now see pets as family members. So with that comes the increased responsibility of taking care of them. Um, Let it be with things like the way to kind of display their pet social status with, you know, blankets and toys and bows and making sure the mental health of the pet is taken care of through things like daycare.
1: Someone who really subscribes to that theory is celebrity chef Rachel Ray, who started her own line of pet food called Nutrish. We caught up with her at a dog-friendly event, hence some of the noise in the background.
3: Oprah gave me the advice, whatever you do... Um, for, for work, you know, if you're going to do something for service and charity, you have to make it very personal. So for me, if I make money with food, I have to give back to my community through food. So I never had time to have human kids in my life, and I'm like 47, I think that boat sailed quite a long time ago. Um, so it became important to me, in my 40s, to pay back to the next generation. So we started with humans. I wanted to improve public school food. I wanted to have a public scholarship program for anything, any child that wanted to go into any service or food-related um, higher education. I wanted a third of our money to just go to hunger relief. Period. Straight up, so just feed people. So that was really successful for us, and we found that we had this engine that could generate millions of dollars that just would never be empty until the need was expired. So because my own daughter is, in fact, a pit bull, not a human, the next logical step for service was to animals. The best way to service animals, to me, is to create a product that people need, really good quality, fairly priced, read every ingredient like a menu, food for the furry members of their
0: Just like Rachel Ray, Lindsay, and definitely my family, Americans are treating their animals more and more like humans, and they're spending more money on pets
1: as a result. That makes sense. I did switch Zuzu's food to something with less grain, and I've heard a lot of stories about colleagues and acquaintances springing for expensive medical treatments like chemotherapy for their dogs. U.S. pet industry spending is expected to hit an all time high this year of nearly $63 billion. But does any of this extra money really make a difference? I like to think that my cat is healthier on her more expensive diet, but it's not like she can tell me.
2: People want to make sure that their dogs are living longer, which they are. Um, You know, we are finding more problems earlier, so we're able to successfully treat them because we're doing things such as um, preventative diagnostics, you know, blood panels, urinalyses on a regular basis. So if we do find something, um, it's before the pet is even sick or clinical for it. So we're able to intervene and, um, you know, have a much greater outcome as far as waiting until the pet actually becomes sick.
0: That's Taylor Truitt again. She runs The Vet Set, a veterinary team that makes house calls and provides services from annual visits to acupuncture and radiology to its furry patients.
2: A lot of things that we learn on human medicine, we then extrapolate as veterinarians and do our own safety tests and studies on it. And we find that guess what? We're all mammals, and we all kind of function in a similar manner. Uh, dental care is very much a more prominent portion of uh, modern day veterinary practice because people understand that you know dental pain and um, dental health will have a direct influence on the rest of the pet's body. Um, even since I, I graduated ten years ago um, from veterinary school, and even then, the standards of anesthesia have changed and the medication. That we use have improved. And for a lot of people, you know, cost is no longer um, something that they have to think about as much. The advent of pet insurance has been a huge deal. And so, with that, then people, you know, they want a higher standard of care of medicine because now it's affordable. So, things where it used to be years ago, if your pet got a diagnosed with cancer, it was kind of like your pet got cancer and we kept them comfortable and then eventually we would lose them. Now, people are going through um, chemotherapy and they're going through radiation treatments and specialized oncologists. And it's becoming more the standard of care and it's available to more people and pet insurance definitely has an influence on that. Are vets becoming more specialized? If
0: your dog is diagnosed with cancer or some other illness, do you then go to like a,
2: a pet oncologist yeah, um, there are every specialty that you can think of for humans. Um, there is on the pet side. Uh, we have you know oncologists, radio- radiology oncologists, um, ophthalmologists, you know special surgeons, both orthopedic and soft tissue, cancer surgeons. You know um, neurology. I had one of my patients see a neurologist yesterday and get an MRI. Um, so it goes down the line, and that's what people are asking for is that level of care. And a lot of it too is because they see them as family members. That if something serious were to come, up, they want to know every option available before they make a decision, because end-all be-all is that most pets don't die on their own accord. Um, most of the time, we make the active decision when they're sick and they have a terminal condition, we do make the active decision to euthanize them. And that's a very, very serious decision to be made. And everybody wants to know that we are doing the right thing for that particular pet before we get to that decision-making point. You would say that this extra spending, this innovation, it actually works. Yeah, I do. I absolutely. Um, our pets are living longer for sure, and um, because we're spending more money on veterinary care. I mean, it used to be we would just take our dogs and cats to the vet. You know, dogs once a year, cats every few years if they're lucky. Cats are sometimes they're forgotten citizens, um, just for vaccines and a general look over, and that was that. And now it's you know the standard of care is over seven years of age. I recommend annual blood panels and your analyses on everybody. And most people do it you know I tell people then when they ask me like what can I do to get my you know dog to live to be 12, 13, 14, 15 cats um, you know I almost expect cats to be 16, 17, 18 now. Food and nutrition is a really big market right now in the pet industry, and there's some people that are out there that are doing it really well. Um, There's also some people, too, that are kind of jumping on the bandwagon, and they're not being as cautious and selective about the food that they're feeding them, and they're not going through the standard of care And because there isn't necessarily an official FDA board to put food on the market. Um, as far as nutrition standards go, um, there are some people out there that I think are doing the market a disservice. Um, But there's also people that are putting a lot of great thought and care into these foods. And I do believe it's one of the reasons why these animals are living longer and we're dealing better with their GI tracts is because there's better quality food out there with fewer byproducts, colors, substrates, things like that.
1: People really want to be sure that the food they're feeding their pets is good enough even for them to eat.
0: Rachel Ray really put her money where her mouth is when it comes to that.
3: My dog and my mother's cats have tested every single product that we have produced and commented me. We've changed some of the recipes specifically because of my mom's cats. Well, they they only eat the juice from this; they won't even touch that. And blah, blah, blah. Like this stuff is family tested and they're family recipes, and I have eaten the kibble the cat food, there is nothing like in this line that I wouldn't put in my own body and you can read it like a menu. And we write for every dog's diet. Just like humans like to be paleo and gluten free and pescatarian and vegetarian and vegan. There's a wide variety of diets that are required for dogs depending on their age, depending on their breed. And I think that's what makes our brand so strong in the market is that we really care about the animals as we do humans.
2: People are absolutely, you know, I would call it like, you know, the projection of love onto them or like, I'm buying you the best quality food um, or so I think. And therefore, I love you. And this is how I'm showing my gratitude towards uh, my particular pet. I mean, my own guy, he's on a quick dehydrated, raw, d- organic duck diet. And <laughs> and, and I'll wow. laugh at it. Yeah, absolutely. It is um, a mouthful, too. <laughs> it is. Yeah, you can say it 10 times fast. Um, but it's what it's honestly one of the few foods I have found that gets along because he has a very sensitive stomach. And so a lot of dogs, I feel, are having more sensitive stomachs than previously, or maybe we're diagnosing it more or treating it more because people are thinking about it more.
1: So pet owners have a lot of options when it comes to feeding their animals. Some dog owners feel they need to go to the butcher to buy fresh meat for their dogs or, like veterinarian Taylor Truitt, order freeze-dried raw food online.
0: Other people rely on stores like Petco to help them find a healthy option for Fido and Fifi. Just like with kids, there seems to be a socioeconomic component to all this buying. Some people can afford to buy the most expensive food, but others who don't have that disposable
4: income still want to do right by their pets, too. The the whole you know food and nutrition side of the pet business has just exploded with options and they really mirror the types of foods that you would buy for yourself and, and the types of um, you know diets that, that humans are are really eating. Rebecca Frischette is senior vice president
1: of merchandising at Petco. She and her puppy Will explained how Petco is meeting new demands from customers with a range of price points.
4: So we, we've seen an explosive growth in uh, limited ingredient diets and grain-free products and also the raw and freeze-dried you know, products that are starting to be on our shelves are really perfect for those pet parents that are looking to serve their pets very similar products to what they would serve themselves. Um, additionally, we see the pet humanization trends in our products ar- across the store and we've seen as we've introduced you know very trend-right styles of beds and bowls and collars and leads and people are treating their pets just like their children and making sure that they have access to the best quality care. And you know, that's something that we're really looking to provide in our stores as well.
1: It feels like a lot of this has, has you know, a lot of the change in this market it has to do with premiumization, insurance, daycare, premium foods. How do you how do you guys service a wide range of customers, you know, with a, with a lot of different income levels?
4: That's something we really take to heart and, and really build in as we look to develop solutions. I think a couple of examples, I mean, I think the reality is we have we have a, a solution in every price range within our stores. Um, a good example of that is we recently launched a new brand of food called Wholehearted and we're incredibly proud of it and it competes, you know, right in that same price point that customers select when they buy food in a grocery store. So, you know, even for a pet parent who is somewhat budget conscious, we provide a really great solution. It's the best possible quality nutrition. Um, Honestly, it's what I feed my dog. And, um, you know, it's a a food that is incredibly accessible, but provides all of the nutritional benefits of some of the more expensive foods. So that's just one way. Additionally, I would point to our Vetco offering in stores um, where we provide what we believe is the most convenient and quality, affordable care. So we have... Um, vaccination clinics and other events in the store, wellness checks, where we can provide services that a customer you know, would typically have to go to a vet to acquire at a much better price. And we're really proud of, of that.
0: Pet stores like Petco and PetSmart aren't just catering to people who want to keep their pets ultra healthy. Many of their customers are looking for grooming services, new toys, and
4: even cute outfits. He has an extensive wardrobe. Sometimes I put him in pink because he's a gigolo and he's man enough to wear pink. Sometimes he dresses up and he looks like Liberace. Yeah even when he goes to bed at night he has to wear pajamas. This was when he was the first dog on Dancing with the Stars and that's what they made him and Jiggy can rock this one. I mean he looks fantastic in his blue cashmere. He has his clothes for going out. He has His clothes, look at this, even for Christmas. Look at that. Oh, he even has a Halloween. This is a Thanksgiving suit. Look at that, see, it's got the turkey on the back. This collar here is the one that was given to him for the best dog in a reality television series.
1: That clip of Beverly Hills housewife, Lisa Vanderpump, featured on Perez Hilton TV, may be extreme, but we all have that one friend who posts way too many pictures of their animals on social media. In many ways, pets are becoming status symbols.
2: Without going into detail, I know a lot of folks who have planes for their pets to fly across the country. Um, So they don't have to ride it in commercial. And the only time they actually ride them when they're, um, I've got a lot of clients who are bi coastal and they go between California and New York, you know, just because that's what happens. And uh, the only time they get the planes out is when they're taking the pets with them. And so then the pets ride private and everybody rides private and has, you know, champagne service across America. As far as like, you know, gear and collars and things and stuff like that, um, people absolutely will happily drop a fair amount on a good collar. And I joke around about it and like have one really good outfit and wear it all the (laughs) time for years on end. And, um, you know, people do that. And I think that's great. It's a way too that people kind of symbolize that this is my dog. This is my cat. I love them. um, And this is what we do. Um, And then there's some not so, you know, lavish things too. You know, a lot of people are into. Um, alternative medicines for their pets. Um, I do cold laser therapy. I do acupuncture, um, all integrative things, and people are willing to spend that extra money on their particular pet just because they want them to feel better.
1: It's not all private planes and designer collars. We talked with Marty Larson, Senior Director of Public Relations at PetSmart, about how the company has seen its customers' interests shift and has offered a new range of products and accessories to match.
5: Well, I think from our perspective um, in recent years we've seen two key trends that are happening in the pet specialty retail space. Um, one is really kind of this humanization of pets trend and the other is what, we're call, what we call premiumization. Um, but really at the crux of both of the trends is really pet parents who view their pet as a, a valued family member And they want their pets to experience kind of the things that are important to them in their lives. So if we might see a pet parent that is really all about clean living and clean eating, Uh they would pick a pet food that is, like, organic and natural and, you know, really premium. Um, And we offer that sort of product in our stores. Um, There might be a pet parent that is all about this athleisure look in apparel, which, you know, we know the look. It's it's really comfortable performance kind of wear. Um, And they might want to dress their dog in that kind of apparel or use harnesses and leashes that kind of evoke that design aesthetic. We have products that, that are available for that pet parent. Um, we see a lot of pet parents and families really want to bring their pet into important holidays, um, birthdays, Halloween, outings, tailgating, I don't know if you know, uh, tailgating is a really huge trend right now. And we offer a tailgate collection in our line right now this fall, which uh, delivers everything from, you know, professional and collegiate level licensed jerseys and shirts and hoodies and um, uh, collars and leashes and just fun apparel to bring your pets into the whole spirit of game day um, and we're seeing a lot of folks do tailgating but even do home gating which is a, a fun new thing where they're literally you know using their driveways to throw tailgate parties because they prefer to you know do that at home so home gating versus like publicly tailgating, you know, in a public parking lot outside the stadium or something of that nature.
1: What do you guys see as the future? Are there new areas that you expect pet owners to be uh, boosting their spending in or, or new areas of interest that you're exploring or new ways that pet parents are shopping, pet owners are
5: shopping? I think the premiumization and humanization trends are going to continue. And I think that that's all about saying you know, ahead of pet parents' needs and desires, and so innovation is going to continue to be an important area for us, and just freshness in our product line and newness in our product line, and, um, and we're also testing new concept stores. So we just launched a store in Oceanside, New York, um, which is called the PetSmart Pet Spa, and it's a services-only or services-focused store model. It's completely a test store. It just opened two months ago. We're going to learn a lot. Um, but it's like a different kind of grooming salon with a new format. It has self-washed dog bays so that pet parents can, you know, bond with their own dog and bathe their own dog. And if you've got a bigger dog, you don't have to have the hassle and mess of, of um, of doing it in your own home (laughs) because it can be messy um and we've got a complimentary coffee bar and a lounge area where if you're waiting for your pet to be groomed um you can you know grab a latte uh, free on us and um so that store is really interesting and we're opening up a, a couple of other new concept stores in the coming months
1: buying ultra-premium food and flying your pet on a private jet or just shelling out a little more for pet insurance, clearly people are willing to spend more on their animals because their attitudes toward them have changed over the years.
0: We see them as members of the family and we want to treat them the way we treat ourselves or a child. Because we're treating them like humans, pet buying trends really mirror what we're seeing with people. So premiumization, more crafty products, and more spending on experiences.
1: This extra money, in terms of better food and life-saving healthcare, it's effective. It's helping our pets live longer, according to veterinarian Taylor Truitt. But the prevalence of social media has also driven some pet owners to extremes. Some people want to show off how cute their animals are, or how much disposable income they have that allows them to afford new tailgating outfits for their dogs. But you don't have to be wealthy or flashy to be a good pet owner. There were more than 70
0: million dogs and 78 million cats in U.S. households in 2014, and they won't all be out trick-or-treating in two weeks. Let's hope not. That wraps it up for this episode of Material World. Thanks for listening. For more Material World, check out Bloomberg.com, iTunes.com slash Material World, and you can also
1: follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jenny M. Kaplan, and Lindsay's at LC Rupp. If you're in New York and want to learn more about Taylor Truitt's company, The Vet Set, check out at The Vet set NYC. And you can see what's new at the brands we discussed at Petco and at PetSmart. And of course, you probably already follow Rachel Ray at Rachel Ray. If you like what you heard and feel so compelled, please rate
0: and review the show. Stay tuned for a preview of Bloomberg's new tech podcast, Decrypted, We'll be back in two weeks. Um, so I don't know. I love a glass of wine.
3: <laughs> I think he said water.
6: So Brad, tell us who you are.
7: My name's Brad Stone. I'm Senior Executive Editor of Technology at Bloomberg.
6: And you're now a proud podcast host, too.
7: Indeed. Welcome to Decrypted.
6: You know, you should tell everyone how you first pitched a show to me. Well,
7: I think what we were saying is that there are lots of technology podcasts and we just have to be interesting. If there are uncomfortable truths out there, we should be talking to them. I think maybe what I said was, if there are electrical sockets, let's stick our finger in them.
6: <laughs> and my first thought was, was I need to run this by someone to make sure this is OK, that this is kosher. And then I remembered half a second later, um, if anyone's going to get in trouble for this, it's going to be you. And if you want our team to get as close as possible to electrocuting ourselves, I guess in the service of great journalism, I'm totally game.
7: I've been covering technology for 20 years, and there are great stories, not just in Silicon Valley, but in the technology communities around the world. Hidden projects, quiet rivalries, unintended consequences, stuff that nobody wants to talk about. Those are the stories we ought to be telling.
6: Right. And we have this amazing team of about 50 journalists around the world from our base here in San Francisco to Hong Kong to Tel Aviv to Bangalore. And our reporters are out there day in and day out uncovering all the drama taking place behind closed doors. So the idea with this new show is uh, we're going to shine a light into these veiled dark corners of the technology universe. And we're going to be doing that every Tuesday.
0: As a reporter covering Silicon Valley and tech startups, I almost always feel like people are lying to me. You know, we had uh,
7: all sorts of promise and opportunity, and it didn't work. My biggest emotion of it is, you know, that I'm sorry.
2: On the top of that hill is actually a steep drop. There's There's a cliff there, and you don't see that.
0: Adult products, pet
7: products, It sounds a little bit, it has a little whiff of of pyramid scheme to it. Uh, No, no, it absolutely is. Yeah, no, it does. It does. Aki, you should tell everybody who you are.
6: My name's Aki Ito, and I'm an editor on our technology team here in San Francisco. And I'm going to be behind the scenes for the most part helping produce our show.
7: But not always, I hope.
6: Not always. Uh, Brad, when you're out traveling or when you get tied up running our global team, our listeners will hear from me, too.
7: So be sure to subscribe to our show, whether that's on iTunes or any of the great podcast apps.
6: From Bloomberg Technology, this is Decrypted.